morning. We're grateful you're with us. And, and you may be asking yourself, well, why a Sunday of, of worship? Why an entire Sunday dedicated to, to singing songs and, and lifting up the name of Jesus Christ? Well, why do we even come every week and, and before, the, before we break open God's word, which we believe is really, really important, why do we even bother with the, the singing stuff or the worship stuff? Well, and uh, you may even be asking yourself or saying, saying Nick, I don't sing, uh, I, uh, I'm actually tone deaf, and I don't play an instrument, and so how can I worship God? Well, I've got great news, okay? The uh, worship really isn't about music at all. It's, it's really about a, a heart response before the Lord, and, and anybody can do that. And uh, so we want to take just a few moments this morning and uh, break open God's word and, and, uh, and see what, uh, what Isaiah 6 has to say about uh, the attributes of, of a true worshiper. Uh, worship is really important here at Harvest. Uh, it's actually one of our pillars. It's one of our pillars says, lifting high the name of Jesus through worship. We don't believe that worship is uh, just important because we say it is, but we think the Bible says it does. And... Um, and it's even something that we're going to be doing for eternity. Well, let's look at Isaiah 6 and, and see um, what, uh, what, what happens here. Isaiah 6, verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died. I'm going to be stopping a lot this morning, kind of like Pastor Doug does, so bear with me. But in the year that King Uzziah died, uh, gives us a little context of, for, for what's coming. King Uzziah reigned in Israel for 52 years. And uh, he was a, a good king, and uh, then he uh, did something really stupid before the Lord towards the end of his ministry, and God struck him with leprosy and struck him down. And uh, so um, you've got a kingdom, uh, the nation of Israel is kind of in uproar, in uh, a little bit of chaos, uh, because their 52-year ruler just died. And uh, that's where Isaiah does this. I saw the Lord... Uh, and that is Isaiah saw the Lord. We learn in, in J- John 12, 41, that Isaiah is actually seeing the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ at this time. And you also notice that word Lord. Oftentimes in your Bible, you'll see the word Lord and it'll be all caps. And that's referring to the proper name of God, Yahweh. Well, this Lord is capital L, lowercase O-R-D. And that is uh, referring to um, his position, his sovereign rule over all things. And uh, Isaiah saw the Lord sitting upon a throne. Notice there in verse 1, he's seated on this throne. He's not pacing back and forth. He's not biting his fingernails. He's not worried about King Uzziah dying or what comes next or or what's going on. He's seated. All things are under his control. I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up. This throne was not just a, an ordinary throne. This was an exalted throne, high and lifted up. It was high in its position in heaven, and it was high in its, um, it was high in its position of honor as well. It was lifted up in its position of honor. This throne was in a position in this room that everyone in there knew who deserved honor. And that's one of the things that we try to do each week here at Harvest. We try to lift up the name of Jesus so that everyone that comes into this room knows who 
we're singing about and know who gets the honor in this room. Well, we see Isaiah seeing, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. The train of a garment, much like a bride's train, um, shows honor. And this, this train was so large that it went up and down the aisles and back and forth and all the way up here and it filled the room. Just imagine a garment so big that it fills this room. That garment has a lot of honor. The person who's wearing that deserves a lot of honor. And uh, Isaiah is so overcome with the sight of this pre-incarnate Jesus Christ, he can't look any higher than the fringe of his garment. Well, notice in verse 2, above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two, he covered his face, and with two, he covered his feet, and with two, he flew. Notice that four of the six wings of these angels is used to cover themselves humbly before an awesome God. Uh, that's how they're relating, covering themselves. And then only two of their six wings used for service. Now notice the song that they are singing here in verse 3. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Holy, he is not like us. Holy, he is separate. And holy, he is perfect. And much like his robe that fills the heavens, his glory fills the whole earth. And we find a, a similar song in Revelation 4, 8, where uh, you've got four living creatures, and each of them with six wings are full of eyes all around and within, and day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Now for just a moment, I have to digress as a worship leader who over the past several years and in ministry, I've heard some interesting comments about modern worship. And one of those interesting comments is that it's repetitive and it has no substance and, and it just kind of you know, repeats the same thing over and over. The same two-line phrase is being sung now in heaven, was sung in eternity past in heaven, and will be sung for all eternity in heaven. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. When the truth is significant, there is great power in repetition. Especially if the subject is an attribute of God, not only do I think repetition is okay, I think we're seeing that repetition is biblical. Okay, I'll get off my hobby horse and we'll move on. Verse four, and the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called and his house was filled with smoke. Now picture this. Isaiah is seeing the pre-incarnate Christ seated on a majestic throne. He's so stunned by this scene that the only thing he can see, or the only thing he can describe for you is the fringe of his robe. And, uh, and uh, then he, he stops talking about that and then moves on to some burning angels, six wings, flying around, shouting out an awesome chorus of God's perfect holiness. And then the whole place starts to shake, and then it's filled with smoke. That's an awesome picture of God. How does that picture compare to your picture of God? 
That's a really big view, and how's your view of God? Oftentimes, I think that the only smoke that we uh, see when we think of God is the smoke rising from the genie's lamp after we've rubbed it to ask God for the thing that we want right now or whatever else it is that we're asking God for. You see, one of the things that worship is all about is, is about destroying our small view of God and growing a vision that is much bigger, a, a, a biblical picture of a big God. Every week we gather and proclaim his, per, his perfect attributes, his holiness, his awesomeness, his sovereignty and his, his mighty hand. And the list goes on and on and on. So how can you worship Seek out the one true big God and let him destroy your small view of him. And see who he really is revealed in scripture and soak in it and magnify it. Well, that's an attribute of a true worshiper, one who sees the Lord for who he is. Is that you? And when you do that, we look here and we see in verse 5, and I said, and this is Isaiah saying, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. You see, when Isaiah sees the King, gets this great big view of God, he has a really right perspective of who he is. And he says, Woe is me. He knows that he's sinful, and he knows that everyone around him is sinful, and there is no way that this thrice holy God will have anything to do with him. His standards are way too high that he can't reach it, and Isaiah says, I'm done. I'm finished, and woe is me. Have you ever been that grieved by your own sin, your sinful state? Have you ever been that grieved? Not just that you got caught or that you got found out, but really grieved and sorrowful before a holy God about who you are before him. Well, that's another characteristic of a true worshiper, seeing yourself as a sinner before God. Well, let's look at verse six, verses 6 and 7. Let's see grace here. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, and your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. I, Isaiah was right. He was, he was ruined before God, and there's nothing he could do about it. But God provided a way for his atonement, for his guilt to be removed. Now, we've already established this is a, a pre-cross Christ, and so I think after the cross, this scene looks a little different, and we actually see uh, another heavenly scene in Revelation 5 where um, they're trying to open this scroll. Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? No one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open it and look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. 
Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven, seven seals. And they sang a new song. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. You see, a true worshiper sees not only his sin in view of a, of a holy God, but he also sees himself only able to access this God through the cross of Jesus Christ, through that lamb that was slain. If you haven't accepted God's forgiveness, you get stuck in that woe is me grieving and you've got no hope. And, but a true worshiper moves toward gratitude for what Christ has done. Well, we've seen God for who he is, and now we're seeing ourselves for who we are. And it's time to respond. Let's look at verse 8. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And then I said, Here am I. Send me. So Isaiah has this awesome worship experience at the throne of God. And he's leaving and he says, wow, that was great. Well, I can't wait to come next week. Hey, babe, what are we having for lunch? That's not how he was at all. No, because true worship actually leads to service. Isaiah says, what can I do for God? How can I respond in a way that shows the world around me? I'm a, I'm a true worshiper of you. How can I be transformed after I've seen who God is and who I am? Those are the questions that a true worshiper should be asking themselves. So how are you doing? How's your view of God? How's your view of yourself? And are you responding in, in right living before him? Are you serving God? Are you trying to let everyone around you know of his glory? See, I think... Those are the essence or the heart behind worship. The heart behind the singing and the reading of scripture and the praying and even the messages that we hear on Sundays. And uh, with that heart, we find a true worshiper. And I uh, just ask you to, to take a moment to reflect on how you're doing. And let's pray before God. God, we see in your word a true worshiper who sees you for who you are. God, we ask that you would enlarge our vision of you, that it wouldn't be a small genie in a bottle, but it would be a huge, magnificent, holy, awesome God. And that because of that view, we might see ourselves for who we really are, sinners in need of grace, in need of the cross of Christ. And might we respond in a way that is a life filled with glorifying you. And God, as we continue to worship this morning, and uh, we take this, uh, this offering, this, uh, this opportunity to give, give our money uh, to you, we respond in a way that, that glorifies you and say um, that you are good and uh, shows uh, your worth in our hearts and lives.
And we thank you in Christ's name. Amen.